Father, we just we just want to ask you, Lord, to, to speak to our hearts tonight through your word. Lord, we just want to express out loud with our mouths that we believe that your word is perfect and that it will never lead us in the wrong direction. Lord, we want to express out loud that what we're going to be reading tonight is exactly what you want to say to us. God, we want to listen. We want to be changed by it. And we want to put our trust and our faith in what it says. So, Lord, help us to understand. God, help me to speak. Help me to say what you want me to say. Help me to speak truth. Help me to speak clearly so it's understood exactly what it says, not my opinion or anything else. Father, I pray you'd change hearts, and I pray that it would be bold, a bold change, and it'd be one that everyone can see. And so you never pray, amen. Wow, I can smell the chlorine from the holy hot tub. I would know what corn smells like. I'm a pool boy. I was going to say that because some of y'all know, some of y'all don't, but then it would have been weird. Now it is weird. But um, so we're starting this new series. Um, I'm going to call it Mark Chapter 2 because we're going to be in Mark Chapter 2 for four weeks. And uh, really I was just reading it the other day and I kind of, I was just reading it. It's got four different sections I kind of broke it down in my head. I started thinking to myself, this really looks like the Christian life. This really looks like what a Christian goes through. It's really like general, basic. This is what a Christian's life looks like. So I wanted to go through it, and I I wanted to um, basically just see what God has for us in Mark chapter 2. And y'all may be wondering, kids specifically, why we go through a series of messages Instead of just randomly picking sometimes, sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit leads us to, you know, one particular thing, and that's what we talk about, and we go through those. But majority of time, it's going to be a series, or it's going to be um, going through a certain book. The reason why is because we want you to see what the whole Bible says. We don't want to prove our point by going from, you know, Genesis to Revelation in an entire sermon, we're, we're going to read what the Bible says in its context. And, and so that by the end of this, by the time you graduate, by the time you go off and do your own thing, you will have a, an understanding of what the whole Bible says, not just verses here and there. You have an understanding, a general understanding of what is God saying to you. And then you'll be able to read it on your own. You'll be able to go off and, and, and when, you, when you leave you know, and go to college, if you do leave, or if you're just, you know, by yourself, you know, throughout the week, you're able to read the Bible for yourself and, and put, you know, put two and two together. You know, it's, oh, well, I read this last week, you know, we were in, in Colossians in camp, and, and I was reading this this week, and, 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 you know, these two things go together. Now I understand it because we're having an understanding of what the whole Bible says. So that's the reason why we're going through, you know, a specific uh, chapter. And I think it's really cool because... Um, that's what my youth pastor did with me. Uh, that's what Kenny did with me when I was um, under him when I was a student. And, um, and having, I, I really, just to encourage y'all, I don't, know what, I don't know the whole Bible. 
I just don't, I just don't know it. I mean, there's just an endless amount of knowledge in there, and I just don't know it all. I, I, I'll never be able to understand it. So if you find yourself confused, you find yourself overwhelmed when you see 2,000 pages or whatever, then don't, don't be discouraged. I feel that way too. When I read the Bible, I'm like, man, I don't know what I'm reading sometimes, but it's okay. That's, that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's when we, we get understanding. And, and, you know, the things that God has taught Kenny through his word, he's able to teach me. I'm able to teach you. And, we, and then we can teach each other because our knowledge is growing and all those other things. So, you know, just to, just to encourage y'all, just a tiny bit before we dive into this. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 2 if you have your Bible. If not, it's going to be on the screen. It'll be fine. But... um. We're going to start in verse 1. I just kind of want to read it, and we're going to talk about what it says after. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the leaders, some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. So we start out where he's, he's coming back home. Most likely he was living uh, with one of the disciples because he didn't have a house. But it says that he was, uh, the longer he stayed there, the more people would come. And soon this house that he was staying in was so packed that even outside the door, there was really no room to look in. People were just, there, people were just smushed, like smushed in there, and like there's no room. But the reason why, I think, is because if you look at the chapter before it, he healed this man who had leprosy. And this guy, you know, I don't know if you know anything about leprosy, but it's pretty gross. And, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't be around people. And he was just basically, you know, you know said, uh, you, you can't be around anybody. So he healed this man, and he said, look, don't tell anybody that I did this. Go tell the priest that you're clean so that you can hang out with people again, so you can be around people, but don't tell anybody. Because he knew that if he told somebody that, Everybody was going to be crowding around him, but it was almost like a reverse psychology thing, I kind of think, because it's like, hey, man, hey, I got something to tell you, but don't tell anybody. You know, you going to tell somebody? Yes or no? Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. You're you going to tell your best friend that so-and-so did this. Hey, but look, don't tell anybody else. I wasn't even supposed to tell you, okay? And then before you know it, like, your whole friend group knows it, and then, you know, whatever. I get in trouble for that. I have a huge mouth. Not anymore. Maybe so. Okay, I'm lying. But most of the time, I'm like, hey, look, you would never believe. And I just, 
you know, that's just how I am. I, I got to stop it. But that's what this guy did. Apparently, I'm not so bad because the guy in the Bible did it too. But anyways, so now everybody knows about him. So he's in this house, and these people, these, this friend group has a friend that is paralyzed. And so they hear about Jesus being at, the, at this house that was so just packed full of people, they couldn't even get in. So they bring him on his mat, and when we find out that he's on a mat, I mean, this, this paralysis is serious, okay? This is not, I mean, like, most likely he's paralyzed in, like, paraplegic. He's, like, paralyzed in all four of his limbs and his torso. He can't move. He, he has to rely on everybody to do things for him. He can't do anything for himself. And so the story goes on, and there's so many people in the house that they actually have to find a way to get in. They're not going to stop. So what do they do? It says that they then lowered the man, or they, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Back in that time, their houses were made out of clay. And during the daytime or during the, like, during the night or something, they would go up there, like, cool off. Because, like, there's, there were houses were like AC. So, like, if you're in the house during the hot sun, like, the hot sun is beaming down on it, you're going to get even hotter than if you were outside. You know, it's just how, kind of how it works. But they would go on this roof, so it's flat. But they would, like, get this clay, this dirt, and pile it on top of there and let it dry. And they would put tiles on top of it, tiles of clay. And the houses actually probably most likely would have stairs going up the side of it so that you could get to the roof. So what they did is they went up there and they started digging through the roof because they had to get to Jesus. And I don't know, I'm reading this story and I'm thinking to myself, that's weird. I don't, you know, like you're digging through the roof. You've seen those movies like where like, so like Godzilla, like all of a sudden like takes a big giant step in the city and you see like, ceiling tile dust like come down you know what I'm talking about okay whatever y'all are y'all are lame you don't watch movies so so I'm thinking like ceiling tile or like stuff is like falling down and people are like what is that you know but it never even talks about it I don't I wish it did because I want to know what these people were thinking I'm thinking when Jesus is preaching like you know out of the Bible I'm thinking they just stopped I'm thinking they just like looking up like Man, this sin is about to fall in. I don't know. I'd be running, but they were, they were watching. So anyways, this man was paralyzed, and his friends cared about him so much that they wanted to bring him to Jesus. So they were digging through the roof, and then they lowered him down. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. See, back in that day, what they believed was if you had any type of physical ailment, is that that was a direct cause of some type of sin that you have committed. And especially the Pharisees. And it just kind of trickles down to where everybody thinks that. And so this man, you got to think about where he's at in his mind. He goes day in and day out 
paralyzed, can't do anything for himself. And so every time he says, hey, I need a drink of water, or hey, I need some food, he's reminded of his sin. He's reminded that he's only this way because of what he has done. And he's reminded every time he, he thinks, oh, I need, I need to get up and, and go do something, he, he's reminded he can't move at all. So year after year, day after day, moment after moment, he's constantly reminded and feeling guilty for the sins he has committed that has caused him to be this way. And he's probably thinking to himself, man, the sin I committed is probably terrible. Because I see all these other people who have committed sins, and, and they're not paralyzed like me. All these other people, I, I, know, I know my friend has lied. I, I, know that, I know that they've done this. I know they've done that. But look at me. I'm paralyzed. God must be really mad at me. So what do you think is on, is on his heart? Probably on his heart is a desire to be forgiven for what he has done. He probably thinks to himself, I can't really talk to God. I can't really go to God because obviously he's mad at me. Obviously he's done this to me for a reason. Obviously I've done this to myself. I don't, I don't deserve God. So I'm just going to be paralyzed forever, and I'm just going to leave it like it is. But we all know that really doesn't work. We all know that we just kind of drown ourselves in guilt and shame. And it's a constant reminder, and we constantly want God's love. And so what's Jesus do? The first thing that Jesus does is recognize the faith. The first thing that Jesus did was recognize their faith. You see, this man probably told his friends, is probably communicating with his friends about his guilt, about his shame, and they probably know exactly what he's feeling too. They're like, well, you know, you probably did something. That's what everybody else is telling them, but they said they, they know about this guy named Jesus that can heal him. He heard, they heard about him healing leprosy. So what they're going to do is they're going to bring their friend who is paralyzed to Jesus so he could be healed. But the first thing Jesus did was not heal him from his paralysis. The first thing he did was recognize their faith. And my job as, a, as y'all's youth pastor is to prepare you for the future. For, to to pour into you the lessons that you should learn. And basically, this has been on my heart all week. The older you get, the harder it is to have that childlike faith. The older you get, the harder it is to have faith at all. See, what happens is, is, you begin to have more responsibilities the older you get. All of a sudden, you get a job, right? Starts out with a job. And so you have this money, and, and then once you get that job, your parents say, hey, well, now you can pay for your cell phone bill. Or, hey, now you can pay for your, your car insurance or your gas. So you start having that in your mind. It's like, well, I've got to save for this. It's a responsibility I have. And then before you know it, these responsibilities start adding on top of each other, on top of each other, on top of each other. And then you start thinking to yourself, well, I have to do more. I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to do this. And you start piling this on top of yourself, and you, you basically start to think, this is on my own strength. If I don't do this, I, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. If I don't do this, I won't succeed. 
If I don't do this, you know, that, and A, B, and C, it's going to be bad for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up like, you know, you compare yourself to other people, and, and you start to think, this is all on me. I have to do this. I have these responsibilities. And all the while, you forget about Jesus. You forget about Jesus being the only thing you need. You forget about Jesus being your strength. You forget about Jesus being, being the forgiveness and the healer. And, it, and, and the overwhelming sense you have in your heart about what to do and, and what job to get, what I'm going to be when I get older, you forget that he's already got a plan. We forget to have that faith. Now, what is faith? Faith, in summary, is just trusting everything you have to Jesus. Having faith in Jesus is trusting Him with everything. Believing in Him. Giving Him your all. You've, you put your, you know, th- those trust falls you do with your friend, you know, you fall back and you catch them. It's like just, just knowing. You just know He's there. And you put your all toward him. You, get, you put your faith in him. You believe in him. And he becomes your everything. We don't put our faith in ourselves. Because we fail. Do we not? Yes? Jesus never fails. We put our faith in him because he's the only thing we need. We put our faith in him because he's the only one that can supply our need. We can't supply it ourselves. And what do we need? We need exactly what that paralytic man needed. He needed forgiveness. First and foremost, he needed forgiveness. The paralysis, that, that's nothing right now. The paralysis of the man, it's nothing to Jesus right now. He, he's looking at this man and says, and in Matthew 9, 2, it's the same story in a different account by another man. But he says, be encouraged, my child. Your sins are forgiven. So all that guilt, all that shame that that man felt over the years, he knew the first thing he needed was to know he was forgiven. That's the first thing and only thing we need. We need to know we're forgiven. And so he goes on and says, But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Immediately, the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious law, man, they're uppity, man. They got these nice clothes on. They do everything right. They, they follow the law to a T. They know it front and back. They do nothing wrong. They know everything about God. They're really high in their own heads. So their need for a Savior, they don't think they need one. You may be thinking to yourself, you don't need a Savior. Just a small part of my testimony, I thought that I could work myself into heaven. I thought, well, if I 
just stop doing this and I'll stop cussing. And man, if I just, if I just respect authority, if I could just not talk back to my teachers, if I could do this, if I can do that, and I, I piled all of it in my head, and I seriously, I tried with all of my heart to stop doing these things. And on some level, I succeeded. But at that point in time, in my mind, I was my own Savior. In my mind, I thought that I could stop doing these things. I thought that I could be free of sin in my own way, and, and God will be pleased with me because of my efforts, because of what I've done, because of what I've stopped doing. And then all of a sudden, I realized one night that just because I stopped sinning then, it doesn't mean that I'm not a sinner still. And I started feeling the pressure on my heart, the pressure on my mind that I can't, I just can't hold it. I can't hold that kind of pressure. That pressure, it was weighing me down. It was killing me. It was hurting me. And it started to discourage me because I knew if I went for too long, if, if, I, if I kept on trying to do this, I was going to fail eventually. If I kept on trying to do this, God would not be pleased with me eventually. And I realized I was sitting on the beach, and I told all of you guys this at the beach where I got saved. I was sitting on the beach and I finally realized in my mind I knew that I was a sinner and I knew I had broken God's heart with my sin. And I knew most of all that if I went to Jesus my sin would be forgiven. See, these people didn't think that they needed a Savior and the Savior was right there in front of them just like he was right there in front of me. But I chose to have faith. I had faith in that because I knew I couldn't do it on my own. So how are you feeling? Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel like you can't stop doing something? feel like you're just digging a hole of sin? You feel like you're just you're stuck in this and you can't move? Or do you feel like God's not pleased with you sometimes because you don't read your Bible enough? You feel like God's not pleased with you sometimes because you don't pray enough? Let me tell you something. Those people that came to Jesus, they just had faith. That's all they had. They just had faith. Their faith was the only thing Jesus required. Faith is the only thing that is needed. None of your actions, none of your efforts, none of, I'm going to do this more, I'm going to stop doing this. Faith is all you need. Faith is all you need. And I promise you, as you get older, it gets a little harder to understand that. Because what a child does is they, they have faith in their mom and dad, right? They, they, there's, there's nothing wrong with your mom and dad. You, you trust them. You trust them to feed you. You trust them for, you know, a place to live. You trust them with everything. But the older you get, the less faith you have in them, the more faith you have in yourself. Don't be like that with God. Don't be like that with God. It's not how it's supposed to be. No matter how old you are, you're supposed to have full faith in Jesus. 
That's what I, I want y'all to know that. Because I, I try too much. And it hurts. It hurts to know that you will continue to fail. And it's so overwhelming. I'm telling you, it is so overwhelming to keep trying and keep trying and failing and thinking, well, if I just do this, I'll please God. He's already pleased with you. Your sins are forgiven. He's pleased with you. And so Jesus, He comes back at them. And a lot of times, I feel like we look at Jesus when He, when he comes to the Pharisees, you know, they, you know, real uppity. I feel like we... I feel like we just kind of put Jesus in a hostile situation, almost like he's like abruptly talking to them and like zero sympathy, zero compassion. But the way he says it, I feel like he has some compassion. He says, why do you question this in your hearts? They didn't even say anything. They just thought it. They were just thinking about it. And so Jesus, I feel like he has like an extreme amount of compassion right now because they're not even saying anything. They're not leading anybody else to the side. They're not, they're not leading anybody else to, to think, oh, they don't have, you know, that's all you need is faith. They're not thinking, they're not thinking oh, these, these Pharisees are saying that, you know, because they didn't say anything. They're just sitting there. But Jesus, I feel like he was moved with compassion, and he said, why do you question this in your hearts? You don't think I can forgive his sins? So is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier for me to say get up and walk? And they said, this is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And if you notice, Jesus didn't say, oh yeah, I'm not God, but I can forgive sins. Only God can forgive sins. And then Jesus says, I'll prove to you that I can forgive sins. Jesus himself was claiming to be God. Jesus himself is God in the flesh. And that says something because you got to think of where he's at. He's in heaven, and he humbled himself to be our servant. If Jesus is not God, there is no point in Jesus. If there is no hell, there's no point in Jesus. Jesus is just some other dude. But he's not. He's God. And he came and lived a perfect life. And he came to serve us. That is amazing. That God himself came to serve us. To show us his love. He didn't have to show us his love. We rebelled against him. He, he could have just let us go. But instead, he gave us a second chance. And to me, that's amazing. I think that's worth being pointed out. And so he says, I will prove to you that I can forgive sins. And he says, then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. See, the, the faith and then the forgiveness of sins those are invisible things. They happen in here. That's what God looks at. God looks at your heart. But the reason why I say that I think Jesus was moved with compassion, he had compassion on these Pharisees, is because 
not only did he let the heart change happen, he proved to them who he was by saying, get up and go on. He was proving to the Pharisees and everybody else that the invisible things were real. He proved to them by doing a visible thing, things that they can see. He proved to them that the faith inside, the forgiveness was real when he told a paralyzed man to get up, pick up the thing he has been laying on for forever, pick it up and walk out. And it says, And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. The Pharisees still never said anything. You can imagine them feeling like an idiot. Feeling so terrible. Embarrassed. Because they, didn't, they never said anything. Jesus looks right at them, calls them out. Well, he tells them, look, this is who I am. And then he gets up, the paralyzed man, and walks through them, and they still never say anything. They're just sitting there staring. They never said anything. That's awkward. I don't know. If I'm the Pharisee, I'm feeling awkward. I'm just being honest. And it says, they were all amazed, praising God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. If you notice, the man on the mat never said anything either. And I felt God telling me, I put myself in this situation, and I feel like I was thinking, I, I, was, I was actually telling God, I was just like, look, God, I, I don't understand this because, because if you healed me from paralysis, if you forgave me of my sin that I thought was just enormous, and you had compassion on me and loved me enough to do that, I'm coming over there to you, and I'm, you're going to be the first person I hug. You're going to be the first person. I, I just, I, I'm at your feet, and I'm bound. I'm like, look, I'm serving you. I, I'm following you. I love you. Thank you for loving. I'm, I'm just, I'm all over this guy saying thank you. Thank you. This guy just walks out. I'm like, God, what? Does this man not even know what you just did? And I just felt him. I, I felt him tell me the same thing that he's been telling me for forever. It only takes faith. The reason why I left that out, the reason why I, I feel like the reason why he never went back is because God was saying, you only need faith. You don't need to do all this extra stuff. But warning and a caution to you, your faith will not leave you unchanged. Your faith will change you in ways that you never thought possible. I had a peace when I believed in God. When I finally put my faith in Jesus Christ, I had a peace that I couldn't explain to anybody else. I knew that He was with me. And because I put my faith in him, I gave him my all. I believed in him. I trusted in him with all of my heart, and I loved him. And my life was his now. My life looked different. But that's what I wanted it. I, I believed in him for a reason. 
I didn't want to believe in Him and go back to my old ways. That, that way was too hard. That way was way too much pressure on myself. It was, I was putting a God-like pressure on myself. I didn't want to go back to my old ways. I didn't, I didn't want to go to, to parties with my friends. I didn't, I didn't want to say cuss words anymore. I didn't, I didn't want to, to lust after the things of this world. I didn't want any of that anymore. I wanted to put my faith in Jesus. And my life changed because of it. Because the closer I got to him, the more I realized where my life needed to be changed. And I put my faith in him so that my life would be changed. So that I could, so I could just live for him so that other people would see that faith in me. That was the whole purpose. Faith without works is dead. If you, if you put your faith in Jesus and it never changes you, you might as well look back at that and say, I never put my faith in Jesus. Because it's not, it's not a change. It didn't, hap- it didn't happen in your heart. And I promise you, if you have faith, it'll change you. I promise it'll change the way you think. I promise it'll challenge you on a daily basis to lean on Jesus, to have faith in Jesus. So number one in your walk with Christ, have faith. Always have faith. Through your whole walk with Christ, six years ago I gave my life to Jesus, and I'm still having my faith in Him every day. When I, still, when I try to lean on myself, it doesn't take my salvation away. It doesn't mean that, that Jesus is not pleased with me. But He is telling me, you need to put your faith in, my, in me. Because I'm the only one that can sustain you. I'm the only one that can save you. You can't save yourself. And I'm the only one that can produce fruits in your life. Y'all remember that from camp? Is your life producing fruits? If it's not, you don't have faith in Jesus. Faith is the base, is the foundation of your walk with Christ, and it is absolutely necessary. Nothing else is. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Let me pray, and let me just tell you, if you're struggling with your walk with Christ and if you're overwhelmed, I want to challenge you to humble yourself and just tell God you believe in Him with your life. And that you may be scared to take the next step of faith. You may be scared to go further with Him. But don't be a coward. Don't back out on it. Put your faith in Him. I know you want to. If you're struggling at school, if you're struggling with wanting to be cool, you're struggling with wanting to follow the crowd, ask God to help you. Put your faith in Him. We all need to lean on Jesus at all times. Has nothing to do with church culture, has nothing to do with following rules, has nothing to do with anything that has to do with faith. And faith draws you to do things. Faith challenges you to do things. And that's when we lean on God even more to do those things. So I, I'm just asking you, you may want to sit in your seat, you may want to come down here, but I, I'm asking you to pray. I'm asking you to lean on Jesus.
Don't refuse it. I do it all the time. And I'm miserable when I do it. 